Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products. Just for being a Getting In listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to www.audible.com college. From Slate and Panoply, this is Getting In, a podcast series about the path to college. I'm your host, Julie Lifcott-Hames, and today I'm back in Manhattan, and we'll be answering more of your listener questions. And because I'm back in Manhattan, I get to see face-to-face our Getting In expert, Amy Young. She's back with me today, and as listeners will remember, Amy's the Director of College Counseling at Avenues, an independent school right here in New York City. Welcome back, Amy. It's great to be back, Julie. All right, so before we dive into the listener questions, I want to play this comment we got recently. Hi, my name is Amy. I'm from Colorado, and I wanted to thank you for your podcast. My daughter has been going through the boarding school application process, and while that's different, I have been listening to your getting in college application process, and it's actually been very helpful, and I wish I would have been able to listen to it a year ago. Everything from the financial aid and the applications and the visiting and the revisiting has been almost on par for boarding schools as well as colleges, and I just think it's been great. And I just wanted to thank you. It's been helpful. Wow. Thanks, Amy in Colorado. Amy Young, right here in New York. I'm thrilled that Amy in Colorado found us useful and valuable as the anxiety from the college admissions process has, let's face it, trickled down to high school application admissions processes. What's your sense of that? Well, that's been true in New York City for a very I, long time. Yeah, you're like, tell me something I don't already <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, it starts in kindergarten, yes, actually, that's in New heard. York City. Yeah. It, it is. It's very intense. And I think in terms of the boarding schools, yes, that's definitely more intense. What are we so worried about? Why do we subject ourselves and our kids and our families and our pocketbooks to this degree of obsession over things like the right kindergarten or the right middle school or the right high school? We would be remiss if we didn't bring into this conversation, the exorbitant cost of education. Absolutely. Um, because that makes everything feel like much higher stakes. Yeah. I am not going to let my kid waste a year <laughs> at the wrong place <laughs> yeah. and lose 70 grand. <laughs> right. There are so many schools and parents these days are more and more concerned about finding the best option for their kid, you know, where they'll be happy and thrive and be most supported. But, you know, there's a professor, I think he's at Swarthmore, Barry Schwartz. He's written about the paradox of choice, how when we have too much choice, it paralyzes us. And I think that's often what's happening with kids and parents today. It's like, okay, there are all of these options, and this one is slightly better than this one for this reason, but somebody said this about that school, and we can just get into this kind of traffic jam in our heads, you know, where we're sitting there staring at blinking lights and we can't move forward. And I think the lesson that I've taken away from this podcast, based on your advice and the advice of our other experts and my own experience as a mom in crazy Palo Alto, California, love you, Palo Alto, is, my gosh, if I just take some deep breaths and relax and realize and remember that there are so many wonderful places, there probably isn't you know, a best one, meaning the others are bad choices and there's one good choice. I think there are a lot of great options out there for my kid and for the kids of everyone listening. And it's just about getting more little bit more information, but relaxing into the fact that your life is not ruined by somehow picking the wrong school. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I absolutely agree. And because we've had some real struggles in Palo Alto around the mental health of our kids, really terrible, tragic things happening. Kids taking their life or thinking about it at rates four to five times the national average for such things. We in Palo Alto are really slowing down and asking ourselves, my goodness, what is it about childhood here that makes 
kids feel a sense of hopelessness and helplessness. And a set of recent graduates from the Palo Alto area have just put together a website called pathsfrompaloalto.com. And they're showing through blog essays, essays written by graduates, that people have happy, successful lives going in all directions out of Palo Alto, meaning, you know, you chose this college, you didn't go to college, you chose a type of college that was not on everyone's minds. It's a lovely set of essays proving to our young that, hey, there isn't just one path you know, don't worry that your life is somehow over if you don't make it to that place that's tripping off of everyone's tongues. And when I saw this essay collection, I thought, you know what, this doesn't have to just be a Palo Alto thing. We could have graduates from independent schools right here in Manhattan posting comments about the path they've chosen, or Fairfax County, Virginia, or Edina, Minnesota, or Scarsdale, New York, or Dallas, or Houston, or everywhere where kids feel this pressure to somehow take that one perfect path. I think it's a lovely development. Sounds sort of like an it gets better type of initiative. It is. I think you're right. And it gets better, which of course we know was intended to help LGBT youth understand that life does get better. Please persist through what's hard about this childhood because it does get better. You're right. It is that kind of equivalent around this academic pressure and stress. I sure hope it'll be that equivalent because It Gets Better has done so much good for LGBT kids. Okay, now on to our listener questions. We got this letter from Tyler, a high school junior in California. I'm an 11th grader at a private high school in Southern California. I have a long academic record, but during my first semester of my junior year, I suffered a head injury during a sporting event that led to a noticeable decrease in my grades. I don't believe my academic interests were adequately protected while I was suffering from this injury. What's the best way to communicate this to prospective colleges, especially some of my more selective reach schools? Oh, boy, Tyler. Sorry to hear that you went through that. Amy, what do you think? Well, I I think the first thing you probably would want to do is sit down and talk to your college counselor about how your injuries might be presented by the school. Um, what worries me is your line about feeling like your academic interests weren't protected. I know. What does that mean? Well, I don't know if it, if if Tyler feels like his school was an ally or not mm. in terms of working through his injuries and making accommodations for what, you know, he may have been, he may have missed a lot of school. He may have been falling asleep in class. There could have any mm-hmm. number of things happen with a head injury. Um, so I would say the first thing is, is see if you're able to work with your college counselor and discuss the best strategy for putting those sorts, putting that information forward um, okay. and make sure that you're doing it in tandem, sending the same message. Okay. Um, if you do not feel like your school is able to support you, then I would consider writing something separate and sending that to the colleges. Um, and that separate could, meaning not in your main essay mentioning it, but in this in a in that place where they say, is there anything else you want us to know? Or do you mean? Sure. In the additional information section, um, which is separate from the essay, uh, you are given 650 words to talk about anything that is most relevant uh, to you that you want to add to your application. If you are using that space for something else, possibly, then you could always send a separate letter um, under separate cover to the school. That's okay. Yes, of course. Okay, yeah, good. you could send an extra email. Okay. Um, or if there's someone even who could write that on your behalf, maybe your doctor, doctor. or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And you would advise very factual. Uh, I suffered a head injury on blah, 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 blah. This is my diagnosis. This is what it took. You know, this is what my recovery looked like, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're trying to present factual information um, so that people can understand the context in which the subsequent grades were experienced to the extent he feels his academic record is is not demonstrating what he's actually capable of due to this head injury. I guess what I'm getting at is I think some people writing this supplemental essay or letter 
would wonder, you know, am I trying to make the case for myself that the head injury, you know, diminished the grades? Or do I just put the factual evidence of the head injury and the recovery process out there and let them draw the conclusion. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I, I think that a distinction is incredibly important. Thank yeah. you for bringing it up. I think you do want to marshal those facts. You okay. do want to say, these are this is how many weeks that I was on medication or this is, I was going to physical therapy or whatever those sorts of things were. And then I think it, it does make sense for you to say, it was difficult for me to keep up my with my academics for these reasons. Um, you don't want it to turn into the reason I have bees is, is because exactly. I don't, it is right. basically putting it out there to say, here's the context in which I got my grades. Yeah. Please understand my grades yeah. within this context. Um, and certainly if there is a situation with the school, I would try to avoid getting into that in this letter yeah. um, and stick to the facts. Okay, good. Thank you for that. All right, we got this question from Juliana, a high school junior in Arizona. Hey, getting in. I'm a junior, and just this past year, my family and I moved from out of state to Arizona. My question is, would it reflect badly on me if I had one of my teachers from my previous school write my letters of recommendation for college as opposed to one of my current teachers at my new school? My previous teachers definitely know me better, and I think they could definitely write a more informed and detailed letter about me. But I don't want colleges to think I haven't formed any good relationships with my current teachers. What do you think? Thanks so much. And I love your show. Juliana, thank you so much. It was adorable to hear you say, hey, getting in. I love that. Amy, what do you think Juliana should do? Sure. So I think in this situation, colleges would say, if you're moving in junior year, that's a big year to move and that's a hard year to move. And I think colleges would certainly understand your instinct to want to pull in a a teacher from, from your previous school. I would nonetheless say do your Put forth your best effort in the remaining weeks and months of this year to really get to know those teachers. If you can, you will definitely want at least one recommendation from your current school. Uh, And if one of those other recommendations comes from your previous school, that probably isn't the end of the world because ultimately you want your strongest recommendations. Yeah, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid. But I managed to make four years in one place for high school. And I really feel for Juliana as someone who had to be uprooted uh, in the middle of high school. I wonder if, Amy, let's say the high school teacher she has in mind from where she lived before she moved to Arizona, say, for example, it was a math teacher. If, you know, she was doing well in math and like the math teacher, if she could if you've you've urged her to be intentional about creating connections with teachers at this new school where she's now a junior, if somehow the thread could be math, so she could have her math teacher in Arizona, if that's the person she might make an effort to get to know, because there'll be that thread from, oh, and my math teacher in uh, my prior uh, residence, you know, thought highly of me. I don't know. I'm just wondering, might there be uh, the opportunity to create that depth of information about how how the student has grown in the subject by essentially having two teachers from different places comment on the same student. Do you understand I, what I, I'm saying? Yeah, okay. I would discourage that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, you would. I would. Okay. I, but I but I love your your instinct for narrative. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, why am I wrong? Well, because t- you know they're using they they always want students to have teacher recommendations from two different disciplines okay. because they want to see the the range of the students' abilities in different types of classes. Okay. So you would never want to send a te- two teacher recommendations from math, Got it. right? Because they're going to say, "Wow, this kid must really hate literature and history and I science." <laughs> okay, good. That's very helpful. All right. Well, Amy, great to see you again today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being an expert on the show. Great seeing you too. Thank you. Listeners, send us your voice memos and emails to our email address, gettingin at slate.com. 
And if you can, leave a voicemail on our hotline. That number is 929-999-4353. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at gettinginpod. That's all one word, getting in P-O-D. Getting In is a production of Slate and Panoply Media. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. And Panoply's chief content officer is Andy Bowers. Special thanks this week to Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Julie Lifcott-Haynes. And do remember, it's not just about getting in someplace. It's about finding the right fit. Getting In is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download them and access them on a bunch of different devices, on iPhones, Android, Kindle, or pretty much any other MP3 player. One book to try out from Audible is the novel Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Americana is a love story about race and immigration set on three continents. It follows a young couple from Nigeria who face difficult choices in the countries they come to call home and even more difficult experiences when they return back to Nigeria. If you want to listen to Americana or many other books, Audible has it. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com college. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com college.